Hello and welcome to the Soulful of It podcast. We're your hosts, Carrie Raquel and Uni Cardenas. And this is the December 2020 Transits and Tarot episode on the Soulful of It podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please remember to go give us a five-star rating on iTunes and share it out with your networks. Okay, let's get into it. We're here. Yay. Finally, the end of this tumultuous year. That's right. It's here, guys, and we are ready to put 2020 into the ground and bury it and leave it there. So excited. To kick off this episode with some quick announcements. First off, I guess, is the obvious. Uni and I are flying, I almost said solo, flying biolo <laughs> is that like when there's two people together we're flying solo but together but together two peas in a pod yeah something of the sort oh wait shit that there is a pun there two peas in a pod cast and here we are okay <laughs> i need to be stopped and this is already at the beginning of the episode she can't be stopped <laughs> i can't be stopped i can't be tamed it's, it's sagittarius season and i'm your friendly neighborhood sagittarian so off she goes off i go <laughs> so yeah so that's the first announcement it's just gonna be the two of us rocking it out for this episode and indefinitely i'm not sure we might bring people on we might not it's kind of in the ideation phase yeah you know new year new restructuring new formats we're testing it out and see what comes to us yeah so we're always open to feedback if you've got some input send it our way but with that said, let's jump into some quick birthday announcements. Happy birthday to our Sagittarians. Happy birthday to our December Capricorns. We see you, we love you, and we value your birthday, even if it is really close to the Christmas holiday. I feel you. I never forget you. We never forget you. We love y'all. So a couple people that we want to give some shout outs to in particular, Emily on the 1st of December. Happy birthday, Emily. She was our guest on episode number three. I see you and I see you, girl. Happy birthday. I love you. You're amazing. And if you haven't heard that episode, go check it out. And a very special happy birthday to one of my best friends, Dylan, on the 2nd of December. You are my Sagittarian counsel, and I love you, bro. I thought I was your Sagittarian counsel. You're part of that, too. <laughs> I, I'm his Sagittarian com comedian. <laughs> we all play our roles. Yeah, I have a whole table of them. That's right. It's so true. <laughs> and speaking of your table of Sagittarians, another one that sits at your table is the phenomenal Nam. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Nam. On 12-11... You are the one, two, one, one. It's like four, one, one, but better because it's you, Nam. Happy birthday. Mm -hmm. And who follows right after that? Me. <laughs> 12, 12, 2020. What a day. What a day. And I'm not alone in this. I actually have an amazing birthday twin. If you've been paying attention, then you probably already know who that is because she has been on the podcast more than anybody other than obviously uni. Is it Nora? Of course it's Nura. She's a magical maker. She's a 12-12 queen. Mm, Nura. Yeah, we love, love you, you. Nura. Sending you all the birthday vibes. And yes, I just can't say how much I adore you. And she's on so many different episodes. Go check them out. Navigating your Saturn return, notably, is the first episode that she and I did together actually a year ago. So happy birthday to that episode. So relevant because I am... 
stepping into my Saturn return now. Let her razzle dazzle you with her evolutionary astrology. I'm like, send help. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to be okay. But um, yeah, I need to listen to that episode again because I'm about to live it. I, I mean, I kind of already am living it. Here we are. It's going to be okay. So happy birthday to our Sagittarians, to our Capricorns. We love y'all. And next announcement is uni at Aquarian underscore Sage. You are still doing readings virtually and tarot videos. Yeah. And I do the the tarot videos just to follow along with whatever cards we pull here, just to maybe get a little bit of a deeper dive. And when I have time, I will do it in four languages. When I don't, we'll stick to two just because I have a lot on my plate. Yeah, it's so cool, though, seeing them in any other language than English. It's really, really awesome. I feel like my body is responding differently and I'm downloading different insights when I listen to it in a different language. I'm like, is like a past life version of me that spoke this language resonating? Because I'm I'm feeling it in my body. Hell yeah. (laughs) Plus the visual is so helpful because here on the podcast, you know, it's just our voices, which are great, but you provide the visual, which is very, very cool and helpful with getting to know some of these cards that we're pulling. So go check out Uni's page, Aquarian underscore Sage. And then in the new year, there will be a website coming soon. So pay attention for that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of new projects in the pipeline. So stay tuned. More announcements to come. Our next one is Affirmation Destination. The December focus is Everyday Miracle. And we have defined this as seeking the miracles in everyday life seeing and spreading magic everywhere we go and to everyone we encounter along the way. So that being said, Affirmation Destination is also going to be pivoting into a hiatus in the new year so that it can be reimagined and reborn in the new year uh, to be decided. I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but keeping the door open for the universe to come through and let me know what it wants to be. So excited. That is all the announcements that we have for you guys to get us started. And now let's jump into the tarot that Uni pulled for the month of December. Okay, let's go with this. So the first card that I pulled was looking at what is here right now and what's really apparent here. And for that, I pulled the Queen of Wands. And the Queen of Wands, when you look at the card... She is very much this powerful figure sitting on her throne, holding her cat. She's kind of intimidating. And the Queen of Wands, she's protected. She's powerful. She's unyielding in her autonomous sense of self. And as such, she enchants and captivates with her ability to trust her own internal fire. She truly is the archetypal representation of the intersection between our primordial urge to satiate our every desire through engaging with the external world and our drive to transcend these desires on the soul level. She plays between the shadow realms of half-heartedness and desire, and there lies a key to understanding how we can unlock the magic and the medicine that is within this card through the process of alchemy. I love this card. Queen of Wands has shown up for me multiple times throughout the year and even as recently as this week. I pulled this card and every time I see her, I'm like, 
Yes. Yes, Queen. Yes, Queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think the thing about the traditional Smith Rider weight version of this card that strikes me most, I guess two things, are her black cat and also the sunflower that she's got in her hand. I love sunflowers. They're just so pretty and inspiring and, and they remind you that things can be easy. Mm-hmm. The next card that I had pulled for us is looking at what's underneath that. And for that, I picked the wheel. And the wheel is coming in fast and hard, being the subconscious workings that drive the engine of life. It is both a physical and non-physical representation of the natural cycles of life. And it takes us back to the Queen of Wands and the understanding that the beginning is always implicit in the end and the ending is implicit in the beginning. Coupled with this knowledge, we are offered the beautiful opportunity to take the wheel and steer our lives in the direction that best serves us and our aligned purpose. And I think personally, the Wheel of Fortune is one of my favorite cards because it's always a constant recentering. How could we separate ourselves from the outside of the wheel, recognizing that we have to sometimes submit to the cycles of nature in order to better apply ourselves in the world by taking command of the wheel, by using nature and its cycles for our advantage? Yeah, this is one of those cards I feel like every time I pull it, I'm getting to know it again, always. Yes. And it also, look, for me, actually, when I look at that, like, demon thing, Typhus. <laughs> yeah, on the uh, Smith Rider weight, there's, like, Satan? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think uh, his name is Typhus. But uh, so if you want to think about the Wheel of Fortune being our purpose in life, well, what is purposelessness than the personification of all the demons, of all of the devils, of all of the terrible aspects that we have personified into these darker entities they are actually personifications of purposelessness and that is truly the folly of humankind because that is truly our fear is to live a life without purpose so when i see this card it's really a reminder that the destiny and the fortune is in your hand and you are the one who has the access point to drive that wheel in whatever direction that you want but you have to understand that you are neither separate from the whole but you are a part of the totality of all of it and to be in the totality of it means to be in full acceptance of life and your true nature and on this traditional card each one of these different figures in the corner they all have a book that they're all like writing in or reading from. They are learning from the lessons that the wheel has taught them. And the affirmation I feel most fits with this card every time I get it, that I say to myself when I look at it and it's looking at me, is life happens for me, not to me. And how can you take those lessons and then use them to help you on the next cycle of the wheel because if you think about it it's number 10 so it's the first initiation into the next cycle of the tarot so now you get to apply the lessons of the magician to move through that in order to get to this next echelon of what it is that you're going to be experiencing on the next rotation of the wheel so like a really low-key card no big deal <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it. What did you pull next? Uh, for our hidden challenge and potentially our hidden helper, I pulled the Nine of Wands. And this card really reminds us that it's absolutely possible for us to keep going despite how physically, mentally, and energetic exhausted we may feel. When you look at the card, it's got this figure that just looks run down. He is tired. He is carrying all of these wands and he's ready to go. And this card is really asking us to find a way to rest as we go. How can we continue to move with the same amount of full-hearted commitment while also giving ourselves the permission to rest and take care of ourselves? This doesn't mean that we're going to show up at 100% every day, but what it does mean is that we won't burn ourselves out because what good is it reaching the goal if we're going to be losing ourselves in that process? Yeah, this card, if you pull out your Smith Rudder weight deck, if you have it, or you Google Nine of Wands, I don't know about y'all, but that is what I look like at the end of this year. (laughs) (laughs) Having my ass beat by the universe. (laughs) Every Friday. Yeah, so I can resonate with this figure on the card. It's just one more final push to get from that nine to a ten and graduate all the way up to that motherfucking king bitch. I'm on my way. But I'm going to make a stop at that Queen of Wands first, for yeah, sure. She's lovely. <laughs> she's awesome. Mm-hmm. And last for our soulful guidance, I pulled the Three of Swords. And the Three of Swords in this position is really asking us to attend to our hearts, especially as we begin to engage in the world in new ways. Are we allowing ourselves to go fully into the experience of heartbreak, grief, and emotion? There's nobody that can hold us through that other than ourselves. And it is necessary for us to move through these natural cycles in order to find respite and through the tears cleanse ourselves on a heart level. If we fail to do so, we risk becoming locked in these emotional cycles that perseverate on the thoughts that create the moods that then become the temperaments that then set the personality patterns that we really don't want the three of swords wants us to remove those swords it wants us to be free of those pains it wants us to acknowledge that there is pain here so that we can move away from it and pull out the medicine that is hidden within there It's here to fortify us, to make us better communicators, better space holders, so that we can teach and that we can tend to ourselves in the most tender of situations. And it's here to really allow us to acknowledge our own personal experiences while also holding others in their process without invalidating their own experiences despite how triggering they may be for us this is the card that's really here to help us tend to the sacred wound and leverage it as a tool to connect more deeply with others who may be hiding their own pain behind distractions and surface conversations wow yeah this card i think when i first had pulled it years ago i thought oh god i'm gonna be betrayed i'm gonna be heartbroken and the reality is when you pull a tarot card like this or exactly this card the heartbreak's already here we're already feeling hurt we're already feeling tender we're already feeling like we're in the process of healing and we can either add to that or we can make it worse and this card is an invitation to, to heal to embrace the things that have hurt you and to not add to the pain that is already there and in the sword suit, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that this is the only card that doesn't have any people on it. It might be. Yeah, actually. So the focal point of this card isn't the person. It's the heart. 
And in the background, there are clouds and it looks like it's raining. Mm-hmm. And that's the clearing away of the heartbreak or the grief, whatever it is that you're harboring. It's not an indication that it's coming. It's an indication that it's already here. Can you hold it? It's the washing away, mm. cleansing it. And we get a lot of rain mm. here in Oregon, so I'm clean, okay? <laughs> I, I done washed it all away. <laughs> or I like to think so. <laughs> Actually, maybe not, because, right, it's here. So I got some work to do, but don't we don't all? Don't we all? Don't we all? in process. Awesome. So that's a great overview of the tarot cards that we pulled for the month of December. And now we're going to jump into the transits. And this is a big fucking month. This is astrologically, I would say this is the most significant month of 2020, hands down. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump into the transits. I'm going to walk us through it. And Uni is going to help bring in the messages and the overlap between our awesome tarot cards that are here present with us. The first transit I want to chat about is Mercury, fast mover, stepping into Sagittarius. That is on the 1st of December, and it's only going to be there until right before winter solstice on the 20th of December. So this transit with Mercury and Sagittarius is one that I know very, very well because I have a natal Mercury in Sagittarius. And if you're a Sagittarius sun sign, like I am, then you might have that too. It's pretty common to have the closer personal planets clustered into the same sign as your sun. It's not uncommon. So my hot take on this, and could totally be biased, (laughs) is that quick wit is the asset, but think before you speak is the medicine. This is a great transit for embracing full belly laughter And this is, you know, the reason why the holiday season is in Sagittarius season like that. That's no mistake. Sagittarians have this huge capacity to be so holly and so jolly and enthusiastic and maybe a little too much sometimes. But hey, we're here and we sparkle and and damn it, you can sparkle too. And that's what Sagittarians are all about. And Mercury in Sagittarius is taking that through the communication lens, Mm. sparkling throughout your conversations, enthusiastic with the way that you speak and relay information. And so some of my best activities or recommendations for this quick moving transit is to shower your loved ones and yourself in words of affirmation, to engage in thought provoking conversations Watch the entire Ancient Aliens series. Okay, that might just be me, but that shit is crazy, okay? They built the pyramids, right? Like, who built those? Aliens, I'm telling you, okay? Watch that series. That is a very Mercury and Sagittarius thing to do. And just diving into any new hobbies or things that you want to explore in the education realm, too, because Sagittarius also rules the ninth house, which is higher education and travel. And I know we can't travel right now, but if you could travel, where would you want to go? You can astro travel. That's for sure. (laughs) There you go. So, I mean, that's actually a very Sagittarian thing to do as well. And Mercury and Sagittarius is here to support you in that. So this transit 
I, again, I'm biased, but it's a really fun one. There's a little bit of an exploratory piece that's going in there as the Sagittarius is looking to really go beyond the physical and entertain these higher realms of existence, even though it might not be doing anything with it other than the sheer fact of exploring it. That's part of its curious nature. And I think it brings this up to the surface as just another way to contemplate. And I feel like a lot of us get so caught up in either meditating or trying to hyper-focus on concentrating to find an answer. How many times do we just contemplate something and allow the curiosity of a child's imagination to really bring us uh, into this contemplations phase where we're able to just receive ideas and creative downloads without us having to have any particular attachment or non-attachment to it? So much yes to that. Our next transit is... A really big one. This is the Sagittarius new moon on Monday, the 14th of December. This week is a power week. Mark your calendars now. The week of the 14th of December is a game changer for all of us in the whole world. It's going to affect us all. And this new moon is powerful because it's not just a new moon. It is a total solar eclipse. Shout out to past me who thought that she was going to be going to Patagonia to view that eclipse. But (laughs) (laughs) alas, the universe had different plans in mind for me. And that's okay because I'm still super excited about this new moon in Sagittarius solar eclipse with eclipses. They come in pairs. So we had on the 30th of November, we had the full moon lunar eclipse in Gemini. This solar eclipse is the closure of that lunar cycle and of that lunar portal. So we are given this amazing opportunity to integrate what we learned and as on every new moon to plant a new seed for things that we would like to see grow and become and blossom in our futures. So what do you want to welcome in? What feelings, experiences, relationships, material possessions, career opportunities, whatever. What would support your ongoing evolution best? This question is an important one because solar eclipses are especially potent for manifestation. Mm -hmm. And with the solar eclipse closing, that final eclipse portal of the year... And hosting the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius, which we'll chat about here in a minute, what we call in for ourselves on the Sagittarius new moon eclipse has the potential to blossom in wildly cool ways over the next two decades. Mm. The seed you plant on this new moon has 20 years worth of potential. Wow. Super casual. (laughs) So some of the aspects that are influencing this new moon are that we have the new moon conjunct Mercury and the south node in Sagittarius, which is flavoring this new moon with a familiar feeling. And it's likely that the lessons of the last lunar cycle since the 30th of November weren't all that new to us. Eclipses are catalysts for change and they speed things up. And with our current eclipse cycle occurring along the Sagittarius and Gemini axis of knowledge, this lunar eclipse is a prime time to set new goals. It's also in Sagittarius. It's all about the archer. It's all about pulling back the arrow and looking up to the sky and saying, 
I have no fucking idea, but I'm going to just fucking do it. <laughs> Pulling it back and shooting it out. Letting it go. Letting it go. And it also makes me think uh, the Wheel of Fortune, because the Wheel of Fortune is absolutely taking into consideration all of these cycles that are happening, whether on the micro or the macro. It's All these things are in alignment within the sky that are now there to really help propel us forward. So now that all of these things are in this perfect alignment and this beautiful timing phase, how are we now going to use the experience that we've leveraged and gained from the knowledge that we've been collecting thus far on the journey and using it to really apply ourselves in such a way that it's going to help us not only take the wheel and steer but navigate it in a direction that's really going to help root us down and propel us forward into the next journey of our life and part of that's going to require us to let go of pieces of ourselves so that we could regenerate through that growth and in that process birth something new that's going to be exciting that's going to be fresh and when i say fresh it doesn't necessarily mean new it means looking at something that was once old but looking at it from this completely new perspective that now has a complete newness to it which adds innovation to it which brings more attraction to that one man's trash is another man's treasure amen <laughs> and that's definitely present here in this new moon like you were saying the wheel of fortune is a great ally for this new moon because of the past coming up because the new moon is seated has an eclipse directly on the south node right next to mercury as well and the south node of the moon is going to be in sagittarius for a while that's the cycle that we're in right now so it's bringing up the past it's bringing up the ways that you've survived before that worked for you then maybe don't work for you now and with mercury present it's giving this amazing opportunity to speak out into the universe how you're going to change those patterns, how you're going to break those cycles, who you are when you are who you are, not who other people tell you that you are or you tell you that you are because that's who you were yesterday. Yesterday is over. We're here now. And that Mercury aspect is also calling in the cleansing fires to really come in and like burn that shit apart to let us get down to the core base element of what it is that's there. And that is raw truth. And there's no denying the truth. And as soon as that we see that, it will burn away the illusions of the past so that we are left with the raw elements in order to proceed forward. Absolutely. The new moon is also forming a square to Neptune on this day. Neptune's in Pisces still. And this is increasing our sensitivities. It's also increasing our psychic abilities. And as much as those things can sound really positive, a lot of us are little escape artists. And so those things come up, those opportunities come up, and they are friction in that square. So they're not comfortable having a download come through. If you haven't been clear audience and then you suddenly hear something you might be like oh my god i'm losing my fucking mind <laughs> you know you might not like accept it or welcome it in or make a space for it at the table of your life and so your reaction to that could be what my reaction usually is which is like i'm gonna go numb this the fuck out so i'm not here for it and i don't have to pay attention to it and to that i would say if you go numb yourself out on this new moon solar eclipse in sagittarius that is so profound and is in a week of magical, amazing astrology, life-changing astrology, and you're numb for it, you're going to miss out. So I'm telling you now, 
please be here for it. Be awake for it. Be willing to face those illusions in your life. Mm -hmm. Be willing to show up for yourself and be willing to put pen to paper or speak out loud who you are, what you deserve, what you want, why you want it, and start looking into how you're going to make it happen. Because this new moon is a profound opportunity to plant a seed that will serve you for not just a day or a week or a year. I'm talking two motherfucking decades. Mm. So we don't want to squander it. We want to make the most out of the energy that we have because it's here and it's supportive. And the last aspect I want to mention on this new moon eclipse is that we have Venus in Scorpio in a trine to Chiron in Aries. And that relationship between Venus and Chiron is helping us heal the relationships that have hurt us in the past. And because of this new moon being right on top of the south node, it might be familial. In fact, it probably is. There probably is some family healing. And we're going to talk more about that when we get to the full moon at the end of the month because the full moon's in Cancer which is absolutely about family. Mm. So a lot of that family stuff is coming up and it's playing out in our lives. Are we going to numb out so that we don't have to face it? Or are we going to face it and use that knowledge and that information, that wheel of fortune to write our futures? Yeah, or, or using that three of swords to pull out the swords and allow ourselves to heal f through feeling it. You got to feel it to heal it. And sometimes that isn't pretty and the process is messy, but it's very necessary in order for us to hold ourselves and more importantly, to hold others. Love it. The next transit that we're going to chat about is Venus entering Sagittarius, joining her lovely friend Mercury. This is the love of adventure, a transit that's supportive of seeking expanded viewpoints in the physical, mental, and spiritual realms. Those with natal Venus and Sagittarius have a hallmark characteristic of generosity. A very Venus and Sagittarius thing to do would be to leave a bigger than usual tip for good service, to indulge a loved one by surprising them with their favorite treat, or share an interesting story or a joke with a friend. Venus and Sagittarius is so fun loving. Some shadows, though, of this transit are becoming off balance by giving more than you are receiving, or becoming restless or easily bored when someone or something doesn't seem to be engaging enough. So patience is a wonderful helper for this transit, and engaging in thought-provoking or spiritually explorative conversations is a great way to embrace this transit. And we're going to have Venus in Sagittarius until mid-February, so we really do have some time to immerse ourselves into this transit and explore it. Mm, that really makes me think of the Queen of Wands, because at the root of the fully activated Queen of Wands, she has recognized her relationship to her desires and the direct connection that that has to her ability to fuel her drive towards fulfilling them. The magic is created by fully embracing your desire. Anything that is done with full commitment will by its very nature not only have direction and drive, but also create a momentum around it, and as such will influence the electromagnetic field and the environment, which in some sense will manipulate reality. 
There's nothing inherently wrong with desire. In fact, it is perhaps the greatest driver of human evolution because it puts us in direct contact with new experiences that become the catalyst for our own personal evolution. And she has come to realize that desire is a clever trick, an alluring and elusive nature of the trickster gods within. And, uh, and as they seek to entertain their most abysmal fantasies, in fact, in order to stay on course, we need to be presented with every challenge as we walk through the abyss and to test our commitment to our own path and our ability to move through our doubt and fear. And that requires a full-hearted commitment to ourselves in order to cultivate the transcendence that's needed to move through that. Love the Queen of Wands. She is fire too. I mean, that's how I interpret her energy is as a fire card. So very applicable to Venus in Sagittarius. You have to hone that inner queen of wands. It's that bad bitch energy. Yeah. You got it in you. You got to let it out to play. It also requires us to really recognize the cycles within ourselves and to have the discernment to close the cycle when its time has ended or renew the commitment to it if it's truly feeding our fire. We must embody our unembraced fears and follow through with things until the end, no longer abandoning our hopes, our dreams, our projects, our relationships, and most importantly, ourselves at the first signs of difficulty. All of these things follow a life cycle, and when we get stuck or we have failed to accept their passing, we then corrupt desire by trying to hold on to that attachment. And in that sense, we create our own misery and bad luck. So when a fully activated queen is here, she recognizes when these cycles are needed to be ending, and she moves through that, acknowledging that she has these animalistic tendencies that are going to call her towards her desires, but she has the discernment to recognize that she has to be in alignment with her highest in order to serve the collective and herself. Snaps. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. So much channeling. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so our next transit is back to back. We have Saturn on Wednesday, the 16th of December. I'm telling y'all, it's a powerful week. Moving into Aquarius, where Saturn's going to be in Aquarius until the spring of 2023. So we have some time with this transit. And if you're like me and you're about 29 years old, welcome to your Saturn return. We're here, baby. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be beautiful. Before I dive into Saturn in Aquarius, I want to mention the transit after that, which really ties into it is Jupiter, who's going to be entering Aquarius as well. Just three days later on Saturday the 19th, and Jupiter is really easy to track out of all of the planets because Jupiter tends to spend about a year in every sign that it visits. So Jupiter is going to be in Aquarius until December of 2021. So let me back up and go back to Saturn, and we'll come back to Jupiter here in a minute. So Saturn entering Aquarius, this is a chapter that's focused on taking responsibility for the future. It's a transit for discovering your unique genius. And like a personal trainer that you didn't hire, Saturn will be sure to teach you all the lessons, but no guarantees of comfort. This is also a transit for deepening commitment, Saturn, to the collective, Aquarius. We may see an increase, I believe, in awareness around the intersection of climate change and personal impact, 
especially with Saturn and Jupiter moving into Aquarius together. And we've had Uranus in Taurus this whole time. So all of those planets and those placements, to me, the biggest unlocking of these movements is the awareness around climate change and how we are impacting our environment and how that impacts us back. Because if we're being bad to our planet, our planet is going to be bad to us. So that's a big part of Saturn and Aquarius. And then Jupiter, who's joining Saturn in Aquarius on the 19th, that's the same day that Mercury is going to be conjunct the sun in Sagittarius. And so Mercury is infusing Jupiter's entry into Aquarius with curiosity and a desire to learn as the sign of Aquarius is one with an insatiable hunger for learning. You agree with that, Uni? <laughs> I totally agree. He says the guy who speaks how many languages? Five. Plus sarcasm, six. <laughs> <laughs> Plus like gibberish, seven. <laughs> we definitely both are fluent in gibberish. So yes, Mercury is going to help usher Jupiter into Aquarius, which is also going to bring a focus to communication on this day, but also in general for this year-long transit. And so the phrase that came to me when I was reviewing the transits for this month was together we can kind of sounds like a political slogan. <laughs> Watch this be a political slogan that someone uses, but together we really can, but together we really can. Yeah. I think we are all this one like universal organism. And the more that we can tap into that, the more we start to evolve on this evolutionary chain from animal to individual to collective yeah, and the word that really also came to me with this specific transit, Jupiter and Saturn, both moving into Aquarius in the same week, is the idea of interdependence, which is not codependence. When we're codependent, I'm relying on you in an unhealthy way, and without you, I feel ruined. When we're interdependent, we're both showing up, we're owning our shit. We are taking care of ourselves and tending ourselves. And because we're doing that work on ourselves, we can do that work on others. We can hold that space with others. I mean, that's three of swords for sure. Mm -hmm. So that is a huge theme for this transit is really waking up to the collective awareness that how I treat me impacts how I treat you. How I treat the planet impacts how the planet treats me. It is all connected we are interdependent species. Yep, that's the intersection between the Three of Swords, the Nine of Wands, and the Wheel of Fortune because that's like the bigger the bigger image, like bird's eye view. And then how you rest for yourself and work is going to influence that. And also how do you tend to your heart is going to influence how you show up for yourself and the amount of rest and work that you put in. Yeah, we can care about ourselves and we can care about others, and we can care about the planet all simultaneously. We do not have to choose. It's not an us versus them. Nope. I don't think the brain was created to make decisions. It was created to be exploratory, to imagine, to have fun. Well, that makes me feel a lot better about all the decisions I can't make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gemini rising. <laughs> Same. Squared. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so... We're going to touch on these two power players again here in a second. But before we do, there's one other transit I want to mention, 
which is on Sunday, the 20th of December. Mercury, he's quick, I'm telling y'all, moving into Capricorn out of Sagittarius. Mercury's transit through Capricorn is an opportunity to be calmer, cooler, and more collected with the way that we communicate. We can call in the Queen of Wands, confident boss bitch energy, Mm-hmm. To help us adult our way through this transit, there's a clarity available to us when we get quiet enough to listen. And Mercury in Capricorn is wise to speak only the words that are necessary or that add additional value. Don Miguel Ruiz, the author of The Four Agreements, one of those agreements is, quote, be impeccable with your word. And that is a great ally for this transit. Before the words leave your lips, can you ask yourself, is it worth sharing or would it be better? And would I learn more and gain more from being quiet and listening? And those of you that have Mercury and Sagittarius natally, like I do, know that there are a lot of opportunities for us to shut our mouths that we should take advantage of because we talk enough, but not everything that we say has the same weight of importance if we're just constantly running our mouths amen (laughs) after i run my mouth (laughs) but relevant right yeah yeah all right that brings us to what i would say is the most powerful day definitely of the month but even i would say of the year on monday december 21st winter solstice It's also the initiation of Capricorn season as the sun moves out of Sagittarius into the Sea Goats arena. This day is also harboring the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. I'm going to share a little bit of history and research that I did on this conjunction because I find it to be absolutely fascinating. The Jupiter-Saturn conjunction is famously known as the Great conjunction because it involves the two largest planets that we know of in our solar system, Jupiter and Saturn, coming within close contact and alignment. And it's rare. It only happens once every about 20 years. Jupiter and Saturn not only meet once every 20 years in the sky, they repeatedly meet in a sign of the same element in 200 year cycles. So just when you think 2020 can't get any crazier, it is because we're not only initiating a new 20-year cycle right now with the Jupiter-Saturn-Aquarian conjunction, we are also in the macro initiating a new 200-year cycle as we officially transition out of the Earth sign conjunctions that we've been doing for 200 years into... The two power players, Jupiter and Saturn, having conjunctions in air signs up until 2159. Damn. So good. (laughs) So good. Mm -hmm. Followed by entry into the that cycle will last 200 years and then they'll move into fire signs. It's wild. So looking at the next cycles of the meetings of Jupiter and Saturn in our lifetimes... 2020, they meet in Aquarius. 2040, they meet in Libra. 2060, they meet in Gemini. 
2080 in Aquarius, 2100 in Libra, all the way up until 2159 when they move into water. So unless we're all cyborgs, we're not going to get to see that. Or we come back and we're reincarnated. But goddamn the shifts that are going to happen now that we're moving into an air sign. Yeah, so that's the first thing. That's major, is that we're moving into air. And what is air all about? Community. Freedom. Conversation. All of the things that we have been lacking in this overly structured world. We're going to see things crumbling that have been that way for 200 fucking years. Mm, Crumble. (laughs) Crumble. Like the blue cheese of my life. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's been a blue cheese year. It's been a year of crumbling. Mm, Stinky. (laughs) (laughs) The blue cheese tower? That should be a tarot card. It should. Oh my goodness. So I wanted to chat about the two power players involved in this, Jupiter and Saturn, because I just find it really fascinating to learn more about these planets. Jupiter and Saturn used to be believed to be the furthest out planets because before we had all this tech, we hadn't discovered, like Pluto, we hadn't discovered Uranus. Those planets are so far out that we didn't know. And so this conjunction, this meeting of Jupiter and Saturn has been known to be a turning point, a change in societal structures, a change in political belief systems shifts in every single area and folks who are scientists astronomers astrologers all of them have been studying these conjunctions for a long time because they happen in these cyclical patterns i actually looked this up so on the last episode i said uh how many moons does that bitch have because <laughs> jupiter's huge and it's got a ton of moons so i went and looked it up because i wanted to answer my own question for anybody else who was curious and jupiter has 79 confirmed moons damn it's a lot of moons yeah she a big one while jupiter represents how we access our expansion saturn represents our ability to discipline ourselves it is restrictions it is karma it's those things that come around based on the hard work that you did or didn't put in and it it teaches us tough lessons that once learned have high rewards and so what kind of high rewards does saturn have in the physical Okay, so this is wild, and I hadn't heard of this before, but I fact-checked it on lots of different places, including NASA, and scientists believe that it rains diamonds on Saturn. That's how much pressure that planet is putting out. (laughs) Right? That's why I always call it the personal trainer you didn't hire, because it's here, and it's on your ass, and it's forcing you to grow up. But at the end of learning the lesson... You get a diamond. You get a diamond. And diamonds are a girl's best best friend. friend. (laughs) (laughs) So those are some interesting random facts about these two power players. And they're coming together today on winter solstice, initiating the Capricorn season. And this is just a super crazy, powerful day. I highly recommend taking time to journal on this day to write down goals and dreams, and to endeavor to play big instead of playing small. And do witchcraft. And do witchcraft. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's add that to it. Because this podcast isn't offensive enough. Well, <laughs> you are the host. I love the witches, though. I mean, I'm like low-key kind of a witch. I'm definitely a bitch. <laughs> Which bitch is the witch bitch? 
us. Us, <laughs> both of us. So I did have some quick history that I wanted to share about this conjunction. It is monumental, and that's why I'm spending so much time on it. I looked up some of these dates just to fact check between all these past conjunctions. I'm like, wow, what has this done for us in the past? And so the American Civil War, which was between the free states and the slave states, was between 1861 and 1865. And what do you have in 1861? A Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Virgo, because we had all those past conjunctions in Earth signs. World War II, between 1939 and 1945, and what do we have? In 1940, there was not one, but two great conjunctions, we can thank the retrogrades for that, between Saturn and Jupiter, both of those in Taurus. In 1980 and 1981, and I know I said that the last 200 years were in Earth, and they were, with the exception of the 80s, when we had not one or two, but three conjunctions between Jupiter and Saturn in the air sign of Libra, getting us ready for the official switch to air sign conjunctions, which is where we are now. And what happened in the 1980s? The AIDS epidemic broke out and began killing thousands. We had a health crisis. And where are we right now? We're in a health crisis and people are thinking, we can't get out of this, we can't get beyond it. And what did we do with the AIDS epidemic? We got out of it. Yeah, we fucking failed those people for a long time. Let's be real. The leadership at that time was like questionably bad. Reagan. Still is. <laughs> Still is. <laughs> but we did get out of it and we did create new opportunities so that people can live on with health conditions like this and other health conditions that have popped up along the way. We have a history of these conjunctions bringing up massive change and massive disagreement and war. And what are we in right now but a war against this virus and a war of people having very different ideas about what's right and what's not. Wear the mask or don't wear the mask. All of that shit is at the surface. And so I bring up the history of these conjunctions because it's so interesting and history does repeat itself and knowledge is power. So if we're aware of the way that these conjunctions have played out in the past and how we did overcome and how we did do the right thing, even if it took too damn long. So I'm bringing it up because somebody is going to hear it and have that aha and realize that we're going to get past this too. Aha. <laughs> it's uni. Uni's having the aha, guys. <laughs> so the last thing I want to say about this is as we're shifting into the air sign conjunctions, this cycle that'll be 200 years, the rest of our lives, we're going to see some major advancements in how we consume and relay information. I'm talking about fake news. I'm talking about deep fakes. Have you seen deep fakes, uni? Of course. They're crazy. If you don't know what a deep fake is, I highly recommend that you go to YouTube, type in deep fake Obama. They did one on Obama. It is uncanny. I mean, it really feels like he's actually saying those things. And that's the technology that we have now. We're moving into a technologically advanced forever for the rest of our lives. AI, robots coming for your jobs for sure. We're all going to die. <laughs> we are all going to die. That's true. But we're also all going to live. Maybe we're going to live even longer because of the cyborg thing. I don't know. But as I... deep fakes. <laughs> right? Yeah, we will. We'll live on as deep fakes. But I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that this is going to have a huge influence on us. And 
the trading of ideas, I think, is going to be major. Things like TED Talks, we're going to have a whole new world built off of that here in the next 20 plus years leading up to that next conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn. Where will we be in 20 years? Maybe I can replay this clip where I say that in 20 years and we can put it into an episode or something, whatever we're doing in the next 20 years. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. But yes, that's more than enough to be said about the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. It's epic. You're epic. We're going to get through this. And that leads us to our very final transit, which is on Monday, the 29th of December. We have the Cancer full moon. As the final full moon in 2020, I think that maybe the most symbolic thing that we could do is to write down everything that we want to leave behind us and burn the note that it's written on. Or if you're feeling really Cancerian, you could take that note to the coast and drown it in the ocean um, <laughs> and, and let it go in that way. Just, you know, gather your trash, mm. says Uranus and Taurus. <laughs> but yeah, this, uh, this full moon is... It's the last one, guys, so it's necessary to have some sort of ceremony in whatever way feels best for you to really let go of the year of 2020 so that we can move in to the future, integrating the lessons that we learned, but not harboring any of the old energy that we need to let go of. Yep, yep. Coming in as an open slate. And a big influence on this full moon is Uranus in Taurus. Uranus is forming a sextile to the moon and a trine to the sun in Capricorn. So Uranus is our change maker and Uranus is here to support us. Change is already here. It's our job to make room for it. Mm -hmm. If you are able and willing to make room for the changes that are already here and already happening you're going to be in a good place on this full moon. If you're in resistance, you're going to be missing out. So having the knowledge that change is coming, change is here, can you just embrace it is going to give you a lot of wisdom on this full moon. Clean out your closet internally, externally. Create that space. Absolutely. And as a cardinal water sign, cancers know how to initiate change when it's necessary. They're loyal, artistic, sensitive. The cancer archetype embodies the confidence of a mother entering a daycare, a dog returning a ball to their owner, or an artist performing their art of choice. There is confidence available to you in this full moon if you allow yourself to feel confident. Mm. Venus is forming a trine to Mars and squaring Neptune, disrupting illusions within our relationships. On this day, you can't pretend to not see it. It's here. The full moon illuminates. Chiron and Aries is also forming a square to the full moon, bringing to the surface anything that we've not yet been willing or able to heal. There's a quote floating around on the internet that's very Three of Swords, and it says, We cannot heal what we do not acknowledge and i'd add to that the people who hurt you do not hold the keys to healing you you hold the keys to damn straight healing can be heavy and a long process but it's super helpful to find an outlet 
for expressing that. And so my biggest recommendation for the last full moon in 2020 is to do a very Cancerian thing. If you can, I think it would be a great time to do some watercoloring. And if you are like, oh, I don't do art, I don't know, I'm not good at art, whatever, nobody's watching you. You can still create art, even if you think it sucks. And if you're like, well, I don't know what to, what would I paint? What would it be? Paint the fucking moon. Yeah, that's a good one. Watercolor the moon. And if you do, post it online and tag us because we want to see it. And I actually think I'm going to get myself some watercolors because I really want to intentionally watercolor on this full moon. And the journaling questions that I have for y'all to ponder on this full moon are, in what ways could you benefit from mothering yourself better? Cancer is the universal mother of the zodiac here to remind us that self-care is an act of radical self-love. Next question is, what changes in your life have you yet to welcome? How can you make room for the evolving door of change within your world? Change is here, and our resistance to it isn't helping us. Forward is forward even if you are being dragged. I've been dragged a lot. Same. Doesn't feel good. No. It's much better when you're willing. Last question for you to journal about or ponder. How can you enrich your home to be a sacred sanctuary? What rituals can you initiate to support the transformation you're experiencing? And that home could be internal as well as without. Absolutely. Like what foods are you putting into your body? What drinks are you consuming? What media are you consuming? Mm. Is it serving you? The environments that we occupy have a significant impact on the quality of our lives and our ability to adapt. When we set ourselves up in spaces that nurture our growth, like sunlight and water nurture a plant, we find more ease within our growth. Affirmations for the full moon in Cancer are, I am whole. And nourishing my body, mind, and spirit empowers and fuels me. I am worthy. Mm. so powerful and if you have an affirmation that is really working for you this month or on this full moon or on our crazy solar new moon and sagittarius or the jupiter saturn conjunction i mean this shit is wild if there's something on your heart feel free to reach out and share it with us we always love to hear from you guys it's such a treat to connect with you Thank you for joining us. We love you and look forward to hearing from you next month. We'll catch you in the new year. May it be soulful. Soulful indeed. Choose. Choose.